everyone. Welcome to the Roto-Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Thursday. It's December 10th. It's 2020. We're here to talk some college football. We got two games on Thursday as of right now and three games on Friday as of right now. Um, but hey, it's college football. Anything can happen anytime, anywhere. So um, we'll go over these five games and bring in our good buddy PSU fans to Sean Newsham. How are you doing, my friend? Not too bad. Feeling pretty bad. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, I just left Stevie hanging for about 20 minutes on the record time. I was watching the challenge and completely lost track of time. And Stevie thought I fell in the toilet or something. So we're doing good. We got the last week of the regular season here and uh, got a lot of news hitting from all kinds of different angles this week. So it'll be an interesting week all around. Oh, yeah, it's always always fun um, when it's the last week of the season. So sure we have a lot to kind of go over here and um, you're going to walk us through it and you know shout out to you you guys have been crushing with the specialist package here at rotor grinders like we have a ton of sports going on outside of the core sports uh, run us through what we're looking at right now in the specialist package yeah right now we have a bunch of stuff still being featured every day and every week uh in the lobby like right now just looking at DraftKings, we have College football is still going. There's slates uh, Thursday, Wednesday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes other days of the week for that. Uh, we're going to be heading into bowl season here, which is always a fun time. Uh, then we got college basketball just picking up. There's tons of slates every day for college basketball on both sites, and I know everyone's been grinding that and doing very well with that one. And we got our MMA projections. Each week we're having new and improved projections come in ownership comes in uh dane moneyball 16 in the discord if you guys see him he's been tweaking and adjusting everything uh all the time to just make sure we have the best possible projection system out there uh soccer day to day we have soccer going all the time we also have euro or euro league basketball going uh, and then we have csgo which i know stevie over here has been smashing right now and then about three weeks or so we're going to have NHL coming. So we got busy stuff going on. So Stevie, how's CSGO been going for you? I know you're doing really well from what I've seen in the discord. We're having fun, man. Um, been crushing FanDuel, been getting crushed on DraftKings, but overall making good money. So not complaining. Um, you guys can always hang out with me in discord talking CSGO as well. That's part of the specialist package and discord is the worth the price of admission for a lot of these sports uh you get direct direct access to um these guys and can ask questions and all that good stuff so if you have any questions for csgo hit me up um let's get into thursday's slates um fau hey i know this team we, we do these all the time and like uh we, i don't know like southern miss golden eagles i don't know who that is but i know who um um ford atlantic is um that is, you know, listen, I live in Florida. I would hope I'd know FAU. So um, what are we looking at here as far as um, FAU is concerned? Yeah, so Florida Atlantic, it's going to be interesting. We need to see more information on their quarterback situation. So their quarterback situation has been a struggle the entire year, and they finally have given Javian Posey the reins to the car. But the issue is, is he sort of stinks. Um, but he runs wild. So like if he's productive, it's all on the ground, but last game he got benched for being very ineffective and they brought in, uh, Nick Tronti, who was their starter earlier in the season. Um, I think that Posey should get the game here, but the problem is, is the total in this game is like 40, which you don't see college football games near 
that type of total. I think it's like 42, uh, give or take, but you don't see games that low in the college football ranks. So it concerns me if he starts out poor that Tronti will come in. So he definitely has a big question mark over him, um, but no one has the rushing ability that Posey does. So it's something that you'll have to consider when looking through it. Um, in terms of running backs for Florida Atlantic, we have a good situation here, similar to what we saw last week when we talked about Israel Tucker for Louisiana Tech. Uh, he ended up having 37 carries in their game, um, which is what you want to see. But the top two running backs or two of the top three, I guess, for Florida Atlantic in B.J. Emmons, who is out, and then Malcolm Davidson, who is not expected to play. After that, we already lost their top running back at the start of the season, Larry McCammon. So it's very, very likely that uh, James Charles gets a massive workload here for Florida Atlantic. And he's probably the lock of the slate, I would say, for all the teams considered. But he's a really, really good play. And then the receivers, I really wouldn't touch any of them. Uh, as I was just saying, Posey really can't throw, and neither can Tronti. So you look through the entire receiving core, nobody has averaged 10 points per game because they just all don't produce very much um, because of the lack of passing ability. So I would steer clear from their running situation. The quarterback situation is good if he does not get removed, but he does have a question mark. And then running backs, I think Charles will be the chalkiest play on the slate, uh, period. Yeah, I guess it's like if you wanted to get leverage off of Charles, maybe you play Posey and hope he gets – the two or three rushing touchdowns or whatever, right? Like that'd be a way that potentially create leverage on this one, right? Yeah, definitely. And you can honestly play both as well. Um, in these short slates, like we saw last week, uh, the, the, the two big hitters were Jalen Darden and Israel Tucker. And they were the top two plays at each position on the slate last week. And with some of these short slates, like you look through a couple of these teams, there just really aren't very many playable pieces. So a lot of the time, like you'll look at these slates and on a Saturday, let's say you play a 9K guy, you really need like 35, 45 points from a guy. On these shorter slates, like you see a guy that's like 7, 8K, you might only need to get you like 12 to 15 points to be better than a lot of other options on a slate. Fair enough. Um, good information there. What are we looking at? Uh, I guess Frank Gore, right? Like, we got to play Frank Gore. Um, just kidding. Southern Miss, Golden Eagles. Um, Frank Gore is a running back. Is he related to actual Frank Gore? Like, Yep, it is his son, Frank Gore Jr. No way. Like, yep. this dude's still in the NFL and running, and he has a son in college? Like, <laughs> yep. Frank oh, that's Gore funny. Jr. is his son, and he's a true freshman for Southern Miss. And he has sort of ascended to their RB1 uh, the issue is, is their backfield is incredibly murky um, from game to game situation, but he is probably their best running back um, talent wise and volume wise. Uh, what else do you like from this one? So Tate Watley is their quarterback and they lost their main quarterback due to opt out reasons earlier in the year uh, in Jack Abraham. And Watley is not the best passer and he's not immobile, but he's not going to just crack out like 100 yards and two touchdowns, something that like Posey can do. And with the total being so low, it makes you sort of stay away from him. But we're going to talk about just sort of a lack of receiving options on this slate. And Tim Jones is a very heavy volume guy, along with Jason Brownlee. Both of them get a tremendous amount of volume from the quarterback play here. 
that said, it might be a little bit of empty volume. But like if you look through Tim Jones's log, you see he's got five catches, two catches, three catches. He is involved. And if you want to play someone on this team, him and Brownlee are probably the two better options that you can really pick there. Um, and then on the cheaper end, if you need some ball or some value, Demarcus Jones is sort of like their slot receiver, and he's had an 11 catch game on the year, uh, and he's 3,400. It's going to be a bit tricky to get much production from him, but he is at least a value option on the slate where you may need one. So I, I think he's probably the better value on this team. Um, outside of the receivers, I'd consider Watley maybe, but I probably would steer clear of the running backs. All right. Um, what was it? Pittsburgh and Georgia Tech? Yep. Pitt, those Georgia are two. It's going to be great. Not yeah, I was going to say, those are those are two teams we know. Um, let's start with the Pitt side of things. Uh, what do you like here when you're looking at the Panthers? Yeah, so if I'm looking at Pitt, Cody Pickett is the best quarterback option. I'm sorry, Kenny Pickett. Um, he is going to throw the ball significantly. The thing is with Pitt, Pitt runs a lot of – short passing plays so like you look through Pickett's logs and he throws the ball for 40 52 48 oh he just throws a bunch of times but they're generally really really short passing routes so in terms of super high-end games he doesn't generally have it but he's the most consistent quarterback on the slate and he does have a little running ability uh where he can definitely score a rushing touchdown for you so he'll probably be the chalkiest quarterback on the slate and for good reason, uh, he's probably going to get you 20, 25 points. And Georgia Tech's defense is really weak. So he's definitely someone you'll look at. If you look at their running backs, they sort of run like four to five guys. But Abinaconda and Todd Sibley have been out the last couple of weeks, which sort of limits them. And Vincent Davis has been their top running back on the season. But if you look through his logs, like he hasn't had 10 carries since probably October, which is not really what you want out of a guy that you're going to be playing at running back. But you probably are going to have to consider someone like this because there's just not many options on the slate. So he's someone to consider. And then receiving-wise, Jordan Addison will probably be the chalkiest receiver on the slate. Uh, he's been a volume eater for Pittsburgh all year, and he's been consistently very strong for them. He missed a game a couple weeks ago in his replacement, DJ Turner, who we'll talk about in a second went absolutely nuclear, but Addison has had a few nuclear games and he returned and played against Clemson and played pretty much his entire volume. So I would expect Addison to be the top receiver on the slate. After that, this team is still the best throwing team on the slate and you're going to need receivers. So you're looking at DJ Turner, who has only had really big games when Addison is out. However, Last week, after Addison returned, he maintained his snap count that he previously had. And in my opinion, they should be running four wide sets with him and Addison in the slot and just utilizing the shit out of both of them. So it's a possibility DJ Turner is a very strong play still. But outside of that, you have Jared Wayne, Taser Mack, and Shockey Jock Louis, who are their other options. And again, it's going to be a shallow slate. There's not tons of options. My recommendations for cash games are going to be something like play both quarterbacks in this game, play James Charles, play Jordan Addison, and then sort of fit what you can around it. Um, but there's just not very many receivers, and you probably are going to want two guys from Pittsburgh. Just outside of Addison, it might be a bit tricky. Um, 
All right. The other side of this game, we got Georgia Tech. Um, are they any good anymore? Like, they're, I guess oh, like this year is just weird in general. But yeah, so they are go- okay. They are. They're tricky. They're they're a team that's going to be good, I think, in a couple years. They have a true freshman running back, Jameer Gibbs, who's really really talented. However, he's injured and most likely will not play this game. And then they also have a true freshman quarterback in Jeff Sims, who I think is pretty good and has good mobility. And I think he could be a good quarterback in the coming years. They're just not there yet. And the thing is, is this Georgia Tech team is coming off of being a triple option team. So their entire offense is completely revamped from what it was last year. So they're working through the growing pains. And in my opinion, they've done a decent job um, of working through some stuff and actually improving upon themselves. So I think they're getting there, but they're not there yet. Uh, what are we looking at on this team? You know, it is a two-game slate, so. Yeah, so for Pittsburgh, they sort of run a pass funnel. Uh, teams have really struggled to run against Pitt, but they throw very well against Pittsburgh. The issue is, is that's not how Georgia Tech is suited to really be successful. But Jeff Sims is a guy who runs a lot. Uh, you look at the last two weeks, he has 200 yards and a touchdown on the ground combined in two weeks. So he's your most mobile quarterback on the slate. And in order to to move the ball against Pittsburgh, you generally have to throw. So he's probably your other quarterback option, unless you want to go into the first game. And then a running back with uh, Jameer Gibbs likely being out. Jordan Mason is the guy at running back. Um, He'll get about 70% or so of the work. And you look the last two weeks with Gibbs getting injured the first week and then being out. He has 21 carries each of the last two games, which on a slate where there's going to be very limited volume, you might want to play him despite the matchup not being great. And then their receivers are all kind of a disaster, very similar to Florida Atlantic. But their issue isn't that Sims doesn't throw the ball much. It's just that they rotate heavily. However, a Marion Brown is injured and likely will not play. Uh, Marcus Azard is out for the year, and he was a guy that was getting some volume. So their receiving core has sort of gotten – cut down a bit you still have guys like Sanders Jalen Camp uh Carter and Peje Harris has been a guy that's been sort of getting more time it's pretty much down to those four and they're all cheap enough that one of them could very easily get there the problem is is you're really dark throwing between the four of them so again I, I recommend the pit receivers more so but you're going to probably have to play guys in different games and there's just not tons out there um, anything else from the two game Thursday slate? No, not much. The, the slate's kind of ugly with only two games. You're, you're really limited on what you can do and where you can do it. So you, you just are going to have to be very precise and hope that you can sort of get lucky with stuff, but it's not the best slate. Uh, there, there's very limited options that I'm comfortable with. Um, some, some games, some slates, some smaller slates you have, plays that you like that it's like if this was on a main slate i would play him for example last week israel tucker if he was on a main slate at his price point i would have locked him in on like a 12 13 game slate this slate there's no one really that i would consider playing on a main slate which obviously means that the slate is a bit worse than what you would envision it being all right um let's move on to what was a five-game slate on Friday is now a three-game slate. Uh, Marshall and 
the Colorado games postponed. Um, so we have a six o'clock. This is like, this is still fun. Three game slates in college football are a lot better than showdown in my opinion. So um, let's get started here. We got um, UTP um, against what is it? North Texas mean green. We've had those before. Yep. Uh, what is, what is UTP? I don't think I've ever heard of that one. University of Texas, El Paso. Oh, so we got two Texas teams like yep. facing off here. All right. Yep, two Texas teams and two of the worst teams in the nation. They are atrocious defensively. <laughs> um, what you see in the total, like North Texas has been an underdog all but one game, I think, on the year, and they are a 10.5-point favorite this game, which shows you how bad UTEP is. All right, well, what are we looking at? we got a three-game slate. Uh, what are we looking at on this uh, UTEP team? Yeah, so for UTEP, the guys at quarterback stink. You really don't want them regardless. Uh, just not much to consider there. North Texas is one of the worst teams in the nation against the run and against the pass, which is impressive. A lot of times you just see teams be bad against one, but they are bad against both. The issue is, is there's just not much to attack it from the UTEP side of the ball. The best option is Deion Hankins, but he's kind of just like not the most talented guy. So he's also priced up. I'm not fist pumping him, but he's an option. And then the receivers, uh, Justin Garrett and Jacob Cowing are both solid producers that get really good snap counts and really good volume. I think you could play both of them. I'm not thrilled with their price. The person that's a bit more intriguing, I guess, is Walter Don Jr., uh, he is their third receiver, but he's sort of stepped up as the year's gone on, and he's been very similarly used as the other two. So I, I like Don, but the better plays are on the other side of the ball for North Texas. Uh, quarterback Jason Bean played the whole game last week. He was not great, but he's still their best quarterback option, in my opinion. And the fact that he didn't get pulled last week, despite not having a great game, I think is favorable for him. Um, he's 8,100, but is a really strong quarterback option on this slate. And he, if he gets the full game, he's probably the top quarterback on this slate. So he's a great GPP play cash play. He's good, but it's, it's also up in the air, but the issue is, is there's just not going to be the best quarterbacks here in certain situations. So he's someone you're, you're going to consider, um, at running back for them, Oscar Attaway got injured last week and did not return to the game and does not have any designation next to him. Um, Tory played, but he also got banged up and played very limited. And what we saw is Nick Smith ended up playing a majority of the game. Uh, as you can see, he had 16 carries last week, which was double his entire season output. There's a possibility Nick Smith is the volume guy here. And if he is, he's going to be a lock at 4K. So you'll have to be in the Discord following the news on this uh, to sort of get the info there. But he could be a very strong play. Or if we get news that any of the other running backs are out, they could be an even uh, – it could be a situation where there's just going to be good options there. Uh, at receiver, we talked about Jalen Darden a lot last week. He ended up having a very poor eight for 135 and three touchdown game last week, which uh, was, again, not one of his best games of the year. It was one of his best games, but still not his best game of the year. So 42-and-a-half was not his best game of the year. Comes into a matchup against – arguably the worst team they've played all year, but their defense is so putrid that he's still going to be in play. So Jalen Darden is a very solid option at 9,200. He's by far the best receiver on the slate. If you can afford him, 
If not, Deontay Simpson and Ogun Macon have both played significant snaps. The issue is, is their offense is very, very heavily involved on getting Jalen Darden the ball. And that comes at the expense of all the other receivers not getting very many targets. But when you look at Simpson at 4,100, he's still a guy that's very intriguing and very viable to play, even if you play him with Darden, because he doesn't need much to get there. For example, last week he uh, caught a 40-yard ball that the ref overturned that shouldn't have been overturned. If he catches that ball, all of a sudden he has three for 70, and it's not a bad game. So you have a guy that's had a five for 113 in a touchdown game already this year. You're going to find worse plays for 4K than someone like that. Listen, you got to chase the ceiling in tournaments every once in a while, right? Like, especially three-game slate, 4K, super flex, two quarterbacks, you know. Hey, listen, um, you know, got to chase those guys. Um, I just I, – I, man – there's not many many better teams than the Mean Green. Like what a what a team name. Like the Washington football team, they they should take over like the Mean Maroon or Mean Burgundy or whatever they are. Um what do you like here for the Mean Green? Every time I talk about the Mean Greener, I see them. <laughs> Did you ever watch the the movie when you were younger, The Big Green? Yes. Yeah. Every time I see them on a slate, I just sort of that that movie reminds me of that. But yeah, we we talked about Darden and we talked about Simpson. Uh, Simpson's definitely the guy you want from a an upside perspective that's not going to be as heavily owned at a cheaper rate. So Darden's still the marquee, and then Simpson's the guy that you want, I think, from GPP perspective. Uh, anything else from this one? No, not much. I, I, there should be points in this game. I don't think either defense can stop the other team. Uh, 62 and a half might be too small. The problem is, is just both teams are just terrible, but the North Texas offense is good enough to take advantage of a bad defense. We've seen them put up points in other games. I'm not sure if UTEP is good enough to take advantage of North Texas, but North Texas is probably the worst defense in the nation. So if there is an ability to take advantage of it, this is it. All right. Um, all right. Hey, this is another one we know. Like, we got the Sun Devils um, going up against the Wildcats. Uh, what is this? Is this like the in-week rivalry week? Is, is that what we're looking at? Yeah, so the Pac-12 started so late, so I think this week is sort of like their uh, rivalry week games, but I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what the Pac-12 is doing, so that might be incorrect. All right. Um, what are we looking at when it comes to uh, Arizona State? So Arizona State perspective, I think that uh, Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback on the slate. He is a very good runner, and he's a very good passer of the ball. And Arizona is just atrocious defensively. So I think Daniels is your safest quarterback on the slate. I would prefer if you told me Bean's going to play 100% of snaps with no risk, I would prefer Bean. But with that risk, I think I'd prefer Daniels. Um, but you might play both because we'll talk about it. The other quarterback options just aren't the best. So Daniels is the best uh, option at quarterback for them. And then the two running backs that they ran is they split carries between Rashad White and Chip Trainum. And Rashad White is the better receiving back. Trainum is a bit of the better power back. But they both are getting – heavily involved and are both playable at that price point. Um, something to note is Rashad White got a little bit banged up towards the end of the game last week. And after he got banged up, it seemed like the shift 
was towards train him a bit. Um, I've heard nothing to indicate that he will be out, but I always like to at least like mentally note those type of things because that could be something where all of a sudden we get absolutely no news and then Rashad White is out for the game and doesn't play, at which point Trainum would be the best play on the entire slate. So just something to keep a mental note of, and you'll have to see a bit more of that. Uh, their receivers are heavily rotated. Um, Frank Darby is the best. In terms of upside, Frank Darby ended up last season having like two 40-point games near the end of the season. He's a, a speed guy that can get downfield, and he's a solid play at 5,600. And then outside of that, they just really heavily rotate. Um, the two best options based on what I've seen the last two games is Bunkley Shelton and Johnny Wilson. Uh, Johnny Wilson is like a six foot seven receiver that had like eight targets last week for 3,300. So I think he's very playable, but I also saw them rotate so heavily that I think if you play any of these guys other than Darby, they could get lost in the shuffle, which is never what you want. Um. All right. And the Arizona side, the Wildcats. So for Arizona, Grant Gannell is questionable. Uh, I think he's not going to play, a, but he might. Uh, Will Plummer is just dreadful, but Plummer actually can run a bit but he just stinks. You really need them to be trailing in order for Plummer to be involved in the offense. And if he is involved, he can be okay. And at 5,800, he is playable, but yeah, it's just not someone I want to write. I, I played him on Fandle last week in the late, late slate. He was literal stone man, like 4k quarterback, and he did not produce, but the idea was everyone else was able to produce instead this isn't the same situation. He doesn't have that sort of price tag. Um, so for me, I think he is viable to some extent if Gannell is out, but it's just not super appealing. Uh, going into the running back situation, Gary Brightwell has been heavily involved so far this year. Uh, as you look at his logs, like you have a guy that's getting heavy volume in the run game, and he is getting a couple catches usually, uh, or at least involvement in the pass game as well. So he's a very strong play at 5,900. That said, Arizona State, to me, is a much better team. Uh, they're an 11-point favorite, and if Arizona is trailing, you might see a little bit more of Wiley. So Brightwell's strong, but I do have concerns about him as well. And then the receivers for Arizona are, are a dumpster fire. I would not consider any of them in anything but GPP, and even that I think is, is tough. Stanley Berryhill, everyone always plays. He's basically like their eighth receiver and doesn't play a snap till like 20 minutes in the game. And then, like, luck boxes two for 40 and a touchdown, and he's, like, 35% owned, and all your big head-to-heads have him, and you're just, like, fist face-palming yourself. So just stay away from the Arizona receivers. Uh, if you really want to take one, play, like, Booby Curry. Like, you, if you want to take one of their receivers, take a cheap one that will be less owned than, like, a Stanley Berry Hill and hope you get a random touchdown out of it. But I just – that's just not the team I want to play receivers on. I mean, there's a Booby – too bad this, if this was Texas, all I could think about is Friday Night Lights. Oh, of um, course, of course. Like Every time the, I think Booby Curry, I just think of Booby Miles, and that's all you can think about. I know, like you know, if, if he was playing, like if he was playing in that first game, we just got them talking about. Um, I would be all in. Um, yeah. a Booby in Texas, like you ever watch that guy run? Like you can't oh, stop yeah. that guy. So, <laughs> um, you can't pass that up. Nevada against San Jose um, State Spartans last game on this three gamer. Um, let's start with the Nevada side of things. You know, when you're 
just looking at this one, this seems like the wide receivers in this game, um, especially on the Nevada side, are somewhat interesting. Yeah, definitely. So the issue with Nevada at quarterback is Carson Strong is the most expensive quarterback on the slate. He is very safe. He's going to get you a good stat line. But the problem is, is like, here's the issue in college football. We've talked about it before. He had as good of a game as possible against Fresno State. He had 350 yards and five touchdowns. He only had 32 points. That's just not out of this world type of stats because he just doesn't have the mobility uh, that some of these other guys do. So like, you look at his entire season and every game he's thrown for two plus touchdowns. He's thrown for like 300 yards in all but one game. And yet the stats are just always okay. They're nothing special. Um, I, I have nothing against Carson Strong here. He's a good, strong play. The problem is, is when you lack the rushing ability and the rest rushing upside, you can't match those guys that have that ability. Like Jason Bean could put up 50. Carson Strong cannot put up 50. That said, Jason Bean can put up seven. Carson Strong is not going to put up seven. So cash perspective, I get strong. But I always am, am a little bit hesitant when I just see guys that, hey, look, VS 303, it's just not going to get the job done. And I, and you just like don't want to look at someone and be like 303 isn't going to get the job done because that's a pretty good game. So he concerns me a little bit for that reason. Uh, running back wise, I like Toa Tower for them. Uh, as you see through his game logs, he's been very consistent. He's averaging about three catches a game, uh, even more, maybe even four catches a game. So he's very involved in the pass game, very involved in the run game. They run some wildcat with Toa Tawa as well. Um, so I, I do like Toa Tawa. I think he's a strong running back option at 5,700 on the slate. And then receivers for me, the best receiver on the slate is Romeo Dubes. Uh, he is a stud receiver and one of the better receivers in the nation in terms of DFS production. He, the last two weeks, has kind of been a dud. But if you look through his previous games before the last three weeks, you got a guy that averages like six to eight balls a game, 150-ish yards a game and like a touchdown and a half. Uh, it should come back in this game against San Jose State. They had a game where Hawaii just let them run all over them and they got just destroyed or they destroyed Hawaii on the ground and he wasn't as heavily involved. And then last week against Fresno State, they just used Torrey Horton a bit more. But Horton was a guy who earlier in the season didn't play at all. He's a true freshman who was behind Justin Lockhart. And then two weeks ago, all of a sudden was just starting and Lockhart wasn't. Um, but Dubes, Turner, and Horton are all options. And then the GPP sort of low-owned guy, if you need value, is Melquan Stovall, who, if you didn't know, Stevie has a twin brother that plays for Hawaii named Melquis Stovall. Um, it's, it's, we got the Stovalls. We had, we had the matchup a couple weeks ago where it was Stovall versus Stovall, and they both stunk. But Stovall plays almost all the snaps in the slot. They run like a three wide receiver set with Cole Turner, their tight end. He just hasn't really got there. But at 3,600, one of these weeks, he's sort of going to get there. And like, if you look through his logs, like you have four for 31, four for 31, five for 55. He's a guy that does produce some. So at 3,600, he's a guy that has a bit of a floor, more so than you'll see with a lot of guys at that price point. And he does have a ceiling. It's just not really been realized at all yet. Listen, you know, all it takes is one. Yep. Just takes one. Um, let's go to the San Jose, San Jose um, side of things here. 
they seem like they're a little bit more spread out, but this definitely seems like one of the better games on this three game slate. So what do you like here on this side? Yeah. So the issue with San Jose state is they run two quarterbacks. So you can't really touch either of the quarterbacks for San Jose state. Um, if Nick Nash was starting, you'd be playing Nick Nash, but he just obviously isn't going to get the, the snaps that he should. But as you can see, like if you look at Nick Nash, he probably should not be priced at 4,500 because he does get carries and if the game breaks right, he gets pretty good volume. Um, so, like, as you can see by looking at Nick Nash, if he was the starting quarterback, even if he was, like, 8K and he was a starter and Starkle was out, which we had earlier in the year, Nick Nash would be, like, stone-cold lock. You lock him in, you play him, move on. But uh, because they're rotating, you really can't touch him. They're running backs. I'm not super interested in Nevins or Robinson. Um, they're okay for GPPs, but the volume just can fluctuate. Like you can look through Nevin's log and he's just bloated because of a two touchdown game last week. Uh, he really shouldn't be there. And then Robinson, the volume's a bit better, but as you see, like it just still, he has a two point game. That's not really someone I want to be spending 5k on. So wouldn't really go there. The best receiver on the slate from a per dollar standpoint to me is Trey Walker. Uh, Walker's a guy that exploded a lot last year and he's just sort of ran a bit worse this year. And they've also had a couple weather games that have held him back a bit. Uh, but he's a guy that just shouldn't be 5K at all. So for me, Walker's like the best value play on the slate receiver. He's a guy like I would be locking in on cash. And then they also have Bailey Gaither and Derek Deese. I think both of those guys are okay GPP options. But for cash games and even GPP, I think I would go Trey Walker. Because as you see, Gaither has a better production so far this year however that production was basically two games where he had a big two touchdown game and then a big reception game they haven't played very many games for example I would probably take Trey Walker over Gaither at the same price point but due to their production thus far in the season you're going to see ownership go more towards Gaither than the other way um anything else from this three gamer not tons. We definitely have some good plays on this slate, though. This isn't like a general short slate. Like, there's there's good plays. There could be good value plays if the North Texas running backs are out. Um, if not, you still have, like, guys like Trey Walker. You have guys like Romeo Dubes. You have a guy like Jalen Darden. You have some really, really strong plays on this slate that are on main slates you would consider. Like, for example, Jalen Darden would basically be Devontae Smith. So if this was a a main slate and you looked at Devonte Smith at 9,200, just like he was last week, you're going to consider playing him. Jalen Darden should be no different. So, but he is going to be different because the name recognition isn't there. So we got a lot of really good plays that people just may or may not be familiar with. All right. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up here. You know, I think we kind of covered these five football games. Um, you know, you guys are going to cover a lot as far as like Saturday goes, Make sure you're paying attention to Discord like you were just talking about. It might open up value on that Friday slate. And like there could be a ton of news that comes out uh, before this Friday slate. And even on the on the slate for today, Thursday, like there could be a ton of news that comes out. So make sure you guys are in the Discord channel. If you want the specialist package, you can add it to your core four package right now for you know $79.99 a month. You can save some money if you pair those two together. So not only are you getting <laughs> 
all the college football stuff, NHL, MMA, college basketball, esports, WNBA, soccer, anything that pops up, these guys are running out projections for it, it seems like. So uh, make sure you guys are checking that out. Uh, Sean, always fun, you know, having you come on. I appreciate it, my dude. Um, that's it, man. Anything else before we get out of here? Nope, you hit it. Yeah, make sure you're in Discord because unlike other sports guys, like one piece of info in Discord breaks a whole slate or changes a whole slate. Like we had last week going into Saturday, no news on Oklahoma State situation. All of a sudden, Chuba Hubbard was out, LD Brown was out. Desmond Jackson ended up playing every single snap in the game and had like 35 carries. So one little piece of information can alter an entire slate very quickly. Yeah, and um, I'm gonna throw you guys. Let's see if I can get my another three team parlay out there. Give me Furia, Vitality, and G2. Um, I think the G2 match is gonna be really close. Um, I think Furia crushes OG, and I think Vitality is just playing um, as the number one team in the world right now. So three team parlay CS:GO for Thursday as well. That's gonna wrap it up here. We'll be back tomorrow. I think I'm going to talk CSGO on the podcast tomorrow. Why not? There's nothing else really going on on Friday. So I'll talk some CSGO. Maybe I'll talk about the showdown football slates as well. If there's anything else you guys want me to cover, hit me up on Twitter at Stevie TPFL. Good luck in your contest. We'll see you guys again on Friday.